Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of uh, John chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 15. We're going we're to start a series tonight. <clears throat> we'll take some time, we're going to study. We're going to talk about a gift that God gives people. A gift. It's a gift that God gives people. Now, He gives the gift of salvation. That's worth one amen. amen. All right. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. I've, listen, I'm getting older. I'm going to croak one of these days. I hope to make it a few more days. But if I should die before I wake, I know the Lord my soul will take. Praise God. I'm, I'm just, matter of fact, I'm getting sort of, I'd like to see it. I know you don't say amen because you're afraid he'll put you on the next boat, but I'm looking forward to it. Amen. A fellow asked me the other day, it was a uh, military guy, asked me, he said, you, you think we're going to fish in heaven? I said, you fish on earth? He said, yeah. I said, it's a new earth. Said, of course we're going to fish on earth. Wouldn't be heaven if we didn't fish. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right. So he gives gifts. He gives the gift of salvation. But we're going to spend several weeks and we're going to talk about the gift of happiness. The gift of joy. Let me tell you what this Bible teaches. Joy is not something you have to work up. And I don't know whether to call it joy or happiness. Because to me, it's real close. I've heard preachers say, well, joy is not happiness. You know that. And I say, yeah, you ain't got neither one of them. You can tell that. But, but to me, they're close enough. So if I put the word joy, happiness, whatever you want to call it, the Bible says that joy or happiness is a gift that God gives people. Amen. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to go find it. Uh, matter of fact, I, I just, do you know the Bible over 400 times talks about the joy and the gladness that God's bringing into people's lives? One of the great ones, Psalm 1611 says this, in, the, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Wherever God is, there's going to be joy. The working of God is joy. And I want to talk about how God brings joy into people's lives. We're going to take time for several weeks to look at this. Uh, let me, as a precursor, I want you to read with me. Now, you know where John 15 is. You know what this is. Right, this is the night before Jesus was crucified. It's the last thing he ever spoke in the earth as a teaching. And he spoke it to his friends. And this is where he told them some things. And I want you to look at what he told them. In, in, uh, and it covers John chapters 14, 15, 16. And in John 15, 11... John 15, 11, I want you to see something. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. Tell me what Jesus wants you to have in him. No, 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 no. go back and read it again. My joy, the very joy of God, these things I've spoken, that my joy might be in you. And does he want you to have a little bit of joy or a lot of joy? What does it say? What's fullness mean? All right, tell me something. When he said these things I've spoken, what did it turn out to be? It's the Bible. The Bible was written so you could have the joy of God in you. These things I've spoken that you can have the joy of God in you, and I want your joy to be full. And, of course, he went on to some of the other things he said there. Uh, now, I want you to turn the page, John 17. All right, 14, 15, 16 are the last teaching. If you're a scholar, they're called the Olivet Discourse. If you're just a normal fellow, it's the last thing he said on the Mount of Olives. And then he prayed. This is the last prayer he ever prayed on the earth. Well, he, with the exception of one brief prayer on the cross. He prayed one brief prayer on the cross. He asked God to forgive the men that were killing him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But this is the last lengthy prayer Jesus prayed. It's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in this prayer, he paid, prayed for all the people there. And he prayed for me and you in this prayer. Because he said, I not only pray for these around me here. I pray for everyone through the ages who will believe in me through their word. Bless me and you. And he prayed and he asked the Father to give us some things. He asked the Father to protect us from the evil one. Thank God I am. You are. Uh, he asked the Father to make us one. But I want you to look at one of the things he prayed that you would have in your life. Now, now let me, before we read this, can I ask you a question? you think Jesus get his prayers answered? 
what do you think his chances are? Real good? <laughs> Read with me in John uh, verse 17. This is one of the things he prayed for. Verse 13, John 17, 13. But now I come to you. So he's telling the Father, I'm fixing to come where you are. Now I come to you. <clears throat> and these things I speak in the world that they, have my, they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He said, I'm coming to see you. And I'm praying. I want you to give them my joy. I want, I want my people to have the joy of God inside of them. You know, what's one, the, he prayed for eight things. And one of the last things he prayed for was that you'd have the joy of God inside of you. And that we'd live in his joy. And I, I love these great passages. All right, salvation is a gift from the Father. There's other gifts he gives. He, get, he said, my peace, I give, peace is a gift. But joy is one of the great gifts that he gives us. Uh, let's look at something. Turn with me to Romans 15. I'm not, we're not going to look at all 400 of them. I do want to show you a few of them, though. I, I, uh, one of the things that always stunned me, all my born-to-again born life, not my born-to-life, but my born-to-again life, has been the lack of joy in the church. I've just never understood that. In believers, I mean, I've been blessed beyond measure. God's been good to me. I'm a child of the living God. His Spirit's in me. i got hope. And if I croak, it gets better. I ought to be delirious. What are them guys drunk down there at the saloon? Why are they celebrating? They want heartbeat away from hell. They're not the ones that ought to be happy. We're the ones that ought to be happy. <laughs> None of my business. All right, John, Romans 15, 13. I want you to look at something. I want you to find something in this verse. May the God of hope fill you with all what? What does God fill people with? God wants to fill people with joy and peace and hope. That's the three things he brings into people's lives. So have you ever heard this before? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the call in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. When it, Jesus said this, seek first, make the priority of your life the kingdom of God. Well, if that's supposed to be the priority of my life or your life, surely you can tell me what it is. Look across the page in chapter 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. How do you know you got the kingdom of God in your life? You got joy in your life by the Holy Spirit. You got peace in your life by the Holy Spirit. I'm, uh, let me see if I can say this right. A lot of people sort of, you know, think joy is this minor league thing that, well, don't worry about it. A lot of, some folks are just happy, but I'm serious. Then joy is one of the major themes of the Bible. It's one of the great gifts God gives his people. And uh, one of the great hearts of God is that his people would have joy. You shall go out with peace and be led forth in joy. The mountains and hills will break forth before you. Well, the, today I'm convinced that we're losing joy in our nation. I don't, that's not my opinion. Mr. Gallup, uh, last week, week before last, in a new survey poll, he said this. Happiness in America is at its lowest point since the Great Depression. Well, he didn't have to tell me that. I can go to Walmart and see that. I, mean, I can just watch people and tell you that happiness is... I'm old. I, I remember when folks was happy in this nation. There was a lightness in this nation when I was a boy. People walked around and whistled and sang and sung, did, sang, did whatever they did. And uh, today you go out in public, you, there's a heaviness on people. The Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness. And it is. There's a heaviness on people today. And I think we're losing the joy of Jesus. Well, the sad part is, I think we're losing it in the church. Uh, when I, I first got saved, I was in a, a Pentecostal group, Church of God, ten, Cleveland, Tennessee. You got to make sure you get in the right one. And, uh, man, you know, we went down on Sunday mornings. We behaved pretty good sometimes. But, boy, Sunday night, everybody knew you went to church on Sunday night for one reason. We're going to get happy in the Lord. And man, we'd sing to we. It wasn't this forced stuff. I mean, we'd dance and they'd form a line. You'd get in here, get in line, put your hands on behind the hips of the person behind you. We'd just sing and everybody just train around the church, just have the best time. 
just get happy in Jesus. Spirit of God just filled the house. It's just wonderful. And uh, we're we too, we too dignified for such as that now. We need to look serious and be serious and all that. All right. Now, <laughs> I, let me explain to you something from Romans chapter 1. If you throw God out of your nation, you throw the source of joy out of your nation. It's not the economy. Everybody in this room has got more money you've ever had in your life probably. It's the presence of God. It's where God is, joy is. And when you tell God to get out of your nation, get out of your schools, or get out of your house, that's where we end up at. All right, now you say, what, is, is it a big deal? Why is joy so important? Why is joy so important? Why don't you listen to what the Bible says about why joy is so important to have in our lives. Because joy is the fuel of life. I'm going to show you one of the strangest verses in the Bible. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. If you can find it, if you can find it, come find it for me. Um, go backwards, Proverbs, Psalms, and in front of the Psalms, Palms, you'll find Job. Then you'll see a guy named Nehemiah. If you see Esther, that's his cousin. Come back this way. One of the great mysteries of life, one of the great secrets of the kingdom is found in the book of Nehemiah. These people were very, they, they were, their nation had been crushed, and it was their fault. And they were very sad, and they're trying to get their lives back together. And one of the great verses in the Bible that tells us why joy is so important in our lives is in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says this. He said to the people, this is Nehemiah preaching to the people. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah 8, 10. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. This day's holy turtle, watch his words. Do not be sorrowful. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. What did he tell his people? I don't, I don't care how rough it is in your land. I know your, na- I know your home's been crushed. You cannot be sorrowful because the joy that God gives you is the strength you run on. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if we're losing strength, it's not because times are tough. It's because we're absent of the joy of Jesus. Now, listen, we need the joy of the Lord in our lives. Now, I want you to notice in that passage, it didn't say uh, late night talk show joy. It didn't say, come on, try to have a good attitude joy. It said the joy of the Lord. It's a joy that comes from heaven. It's a joy that comes from the Spirit of God. And it gives people great joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's why it's so important. Matter of fact, if you were to survey people that don't even believe in God or just the average American, what are the majority of them on a search for? Happiness. Happiness. Our nation was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Girls say, you know, I want to find a man that will make me happy. I've told you before, we need to get your dog. Or I want to, I'm, I'm looking for a new job so I can be happy in this new job. If I had a bigger house, I'd be happy. We're, we're fixing, there is one book in the Bible that teaches the secrets to joy. And it stands what we think upside down in this nation. But your Heavenly Father is going to give you the keys to true joy. That's why he wrote the book of Philippians, which is the book of joy, to teach us how to have great joy. And uh, we're on a search for happiness. Matter of fact, I'm convinced you can't enjoy your life unless you have joy in you. You just, you say, is it that big a deal? Well, do you really think I want to suck eggs and be miserable and be pathetic all the way through life and croak and fall over? And on his tombstone, it says, bye. <laughs> Let me make an announcement. This is your life right here. This ain't a dress rehearsal. When are you going to start living? You don't get a redo. You don't get the end and say, oh, screwed up, start me over. There's no reset button on life. This is it. This is my life. And if I'm going to enjoy it, I better do it today. And my father created me to enjoy life. And I'm trying to help you enjoy yours. All right. Uh, again, the Bible says so much. Over 200 times the Bible speaks about you having the joy of the Lord. Over 150 times it talks about God bringing gladness into our lives. 
Happiness is mentioned many times in the Bible. Um, I'm going to cut through all this and then just get to the point. All right, there's a book in the Bible that's about joy, and it's the book of Philippians. Many books in the Bible have themes. Galatians is the book of freedom. Romans is the, uh, what do you call it, the Magna Carta of the Bible. It's the doctrinal book of the Bible. Um, different books have, James is the book of wisdom for everyday living with people. But the book of Philippians is the book of joy. And you take this book, it's just four short chapters, little tiny chapters. You take that book and you wring it like a dish rag and joy runs out like water out of a dish rag. It, the, the words rejoice, I joy, my joy, you are my joy, rejoice with me. It just explodes with joy from the first verse. And God put the book of Philippians in the Bible to give you and me the secrets or the, or the keys to joy. And uh, let me say this as a preview before we begin. We're going to spend time in the book of Philippians. Before we look at it, let me give you a little overview of it. The message of the book of Philippians is this. You can have overflowing joy in your life no matter how bad your circumstances are. That's the message. And the message of Philippians is our heart joy has nothing to do with what's going on around us. It is the joy of the Lord on the inside. It's not when everybody's hunky-dory out here. And the, this man, in the kind, I don't know if it's the kindness of God or not, but he was set up. Let me explain to you what's going on in his life. He's 62, three years old now. He's been following Jesus for 35 years. He started numerous churches. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament, 27 books. He wrote 13 of them, maybe 14 if you count Hebrews. He's ministered. He's planted churches all over. And now he has been arrested for preaching the gospel. Uh, he was going to be tried in Jerusalem, but it turned out to be a sham trial. And he got the word that the judge was on his enemy's side. He's going to be murdered. So he appealed. He's a Roman citizen. He appeals to Rome. He had the right to do that. To save his life, he appealed to Rome. They put him on a ship, traveled halfway around the world to get to Rome. He has to be tried in front of Caesar's because he's a Roman citizen. So he's being held in what's called the Mamertine prison in Rome. It's under Caesar's palace, not Caesar's palace in Las Vegas. I mean, the real one in Rome, Italy. And he's, in, he's a prisoner in the, in the prison under Caesar's palace in Rome. It's called the Mamertine prison, nasty prison. He's in there. He's already been sentenced. He's going to be killed. He's going to be executed. Not only has his life work been cut short, he's in prison. He knows he's fixing to be executed. They've already told him. And the Spirit of God, he says, well, the Spirit has shown me my time is short. But of the, and he tells in this book of Philippians, of all the churches he started, he loved these people like a father. Of the churches he started, evil men have come into his churches now, and they're tearing them up and lying about him. He tells it, and there's nothing he can do. He can't get out. How many of you, you spent your whole life pouring into something, you're arrested for loving Jesus, you're going to be put to death for loving Jesus, and your life work's being destroyed, what kind of mood would you be in? You read the book of Philippians, joy flows out of this man like a river. I am glad with you all, rejoice with me. He just, here's the deal. The Father has set this thing up to say to me, and you, this man is in the worst possible circumstance you can be in your life, but look how the joy of God just flows out of him. What's the message? Remember, the Bible is God speaking to me and you. What's the message? I don't care what's going on around you. My joy can be in you. This is not the joy that I got a new job. Nothing wrong with a new job. This is not the joy of my wife's acting like she's got some sense. Certainly nothing wrong with that. This is, not, this is not external stuff. This comes from the inside. This is God's presence. It is the joy of the Lord in the middle of a mess. And uh, it's, it's just wonderful. Now, uh, we're going to look in here. There are two major themes in this book. And uh, the, the outstanding theme of the book is this. See if, you can, see if I can say this right. Joy, God's joy is counterculture to our society's joy. Does that, does that make sense? 
what, what, what our culture, our nation, our, our, what this nation thinks will make you happy, won't. And what this nation thinks would be miserable is really where the secret of joy is. Counterculture means it goes against the culture. And that, this, this is one of the funniest books ever written. It's just got the craziest stuff in it. Uh, if you want your blood to flow to your head, stand upside down. That's, it's just that kind of stuff. Um, that's a terrible illustration, but it's just exactly what it is. All right, I want to show you. I want to, we're going to go into the book of Philippians, but I want to challenge a couple things that you think, that we think. Um, everybody's looking for happiness. It's the reason you get married. It's the reason you launch your career. It's the reason you try things. You're looking for happiness. We got to be missing it in this land somewhere. We, we've never been more educated. We've never had more money. We've never had more stuff and more opportunities. When I was a boy, the phone was tied to the wall. Everybody heard what you said to your girlfriend. Daddy finally got a 12-foot cord, a little stretchy cord. You could take it in your room, close the door, and he'd holler, you cut the cord in half, get back in here. Well, I mean, you could, uh, the thought of a cell phone was unheard of. I remember the first time I ever saw air conditioning on a car, and I said, that, that can't be. Cold air in a car? The only way, you know how we got colder in our car? December showed up. That's the only way we got colder in the car. <laughs> but here's the point. I thought all this stuff's supposed to make us happy. If, if, if stuff and progress and technology would make you happy, America ought to be delirious. What's wrong? I don't think it's the stuff. It's right here. It's right in here. And uh, there's never been a more fitting verse for what's going on in our land right now than Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that looks right to a person, but the end result is destruction. It can look so good, but when you get it, it, it don't look that good. It doesn't work out. Guess who's behind that? There's an unholy devil promising you the moon and then handing you a moon pie when you sign, sign on the dotted line. All right, but the book of joy, and the, the, I love the book of Philippians. I've been in this book for 40 years now, and there's two major revelations. One of them, again, is uh, joy. All right, now, if I were to ask you, even as a Christian, don't answer out loud because I don't want you to miss it. And your wife, I knew you didn't know what you're talking about. Um, what would make you happier than anything? What is the secret to happiness? Don't, don't say anything, but what do you think the answer would be? You know what the Bible says? Holiness. You wouldn't guess that, would you? That doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? Difference the highway to happiness is called holiness. So that's just so counterculture. I thought if if I could raise hell and rock and roll or do whatever I want to do and boogie woogie, I'd find happiness. It ain't it ain't working. The Bible says that holiness is the secret to true happiness. Now I wouldn't tell you if I couldn't show it to you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter one. Turn me to the first chapter of Hebrews. I can show you this many places in the Bible. But let me show you something. Hebrews chapter 1, and this is also the exact verse you'll find in the book of Psalms. But in Hebrews chapter 1, you find the secret to just true happiness. You know, you think, well, God will bless me with a great man. Well, number one, if you're a woman, you got a man, you don't need the one. If you're a man, you don't need a man. So you just need to knock that mess off about needing a man. Well, God will get me a new car. That wouldn't make you happy. I mean, the first few days, you'd be funny about it, real weird about it. After three days, you'd be throwing McDonald's bags in the back and mess like that. All that stuff's temporary. But there is a joy from God that's deep in the human heart that just stays there. Let me show you how you get it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 says this. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Just stop right there. Now, that's a decision you make. 
I make a decision. I'm going to love what God says is right, and I'm going to hate what God says is wrong. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen to me. Not for you, for me. See, if I'm, if I'm hating what's wrong in you, that, I, I'm a Pharisee. I'm talking about I've decided in my personal life, if God says it's right, that's what I'm going to go with and love. If God says it's wrong, I don't want nothing to do with it. What, what's the biblical word for that? Holiness. Uh, wholeness. Completeness. All right. The person who makes it. Now, you can be a Christian and not do this. Most Christians don't do this. I'm sorry. But what if you choose that if God says it's right, I'm going to love it. That's what I want in my life. If God says it's wrong, I don't care how much my flesh cries for it. I'm going to say no. I'm going to hate what's wrong. What happens to people that do that? Read this with me. Hebrews 1.9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than anybody else in your community. What does anoint mean? You know what anoint means? Pour it out on them. The person who says, I'm going to love what God loves and hate what God hates. For me, I'm not going to fuss at you about anything. You know, if you want to do whatever you want to do, it's fine. I'm going to love you and pray for you. But I'm talking about my personal life. And listen, on the inside... I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to choose holiness. What does the Bible say God does for a person like that? He pours gladness out on them so that they are happier than anybody else where they work. Happier than all your companions. Happier than anybody in your family. Matter of fact, God will pour gladness out on your life so that people will comment on how happy you are and you'll tell them, no, I'm, I'm not that happy. Y'all are just miserable. They're, they're, look in that verse. Where does true gladness come from? God pours gladness out on people. And of course, you know with the word anoint, pour, you've got to have the Holy Spirit in there. Yes. Now see, and this is the craziest thing. We tell our, I love to talk to teenagers. Quit lying to teenagers. Tell them the truth. I love teenagers. You know what teenagers want to talk about most of the time? Sex. Not maybe just with me because I'm old and I'm safe. But, but teenagers want to talk about sex. And a girl not long ago, she asked me, said, if it's so much fun, why is it so wrong? I said, it's not as much fun as you think it is. I said, I said, honey, I said, look, I'm not telling you it's nasty, don't do it. I said, it's a lot of fun. Oh, aren't we spiritual tonight? I mean, <laughs> it's a blast. Can I get a witness? Well, I don't need a witness on that. You got to tell me nothing. I've been married 40 years. Here's the deal. But you say, sweetheart, it's a lot of fun. But I said, let me tell you something. Don't go after what you want fast. Go after what you want more of. I said, I'm telling you, you know who has the worst heartbreak in your school? Don't, don't be happy for 10 minutes. Be happy for a lifetime. And, and you can't say, so it's nasty. And you're nasty. No, she's not nasty. It's not nasty. God made them that way. We got to get, we got to. Start telling the truth to our kids. A young man came to see me. Brother Mike, it's a terrible problem. He said, you know, my girlfriend said she's beautiful. I said this. He said, I love God. He said, I, I just want to grab her. I said, and? He said, well, it's, it's terrible. I just think about it all the time. I said, what's the problem? I said, you don't do it. He said, no, no, we're, we're trying to wait. Don't handcuff me, Brother Beggars. I, I said, Baba, all that, that just means you're normal. It means you work. It means all your equipment's right. But listen to me. Hang on. Suffer. And then when you get married, I'll just have at it, Bubba. You ain't got three more months. Hang in there, Bubba. This thing. I'm not making this up. There's a whole book in the Bible called The Song of Solomon. Don't read it unless you're mature. 
here's my point. Dear ones, we, we got this, this mentality's come over us that they get to have all the fun and I have to be holy. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Holiness is the pathway to true happiness. Holiness is where too glad. I've, I've talked to a lot of prostitutes in my years in the ministry. My business, not their business. Discussing my ministry. And uh, I'm talking to one girl one night. I felt so sorry for her. She's so unhappy. I said, let me ask you a question. We're just talking about her life. and what's, I said, do you enjoy sex? She said, God, no. She said, it, it makes me sick. I said, I, I thought this lifestyle was supposed to make you happy. She said, something ain't working right. Bingo. Surveys tell us that men and women who get married, honor God with their sex lives over the years, have the most fulfilling, rewarding, happy sex lives of anybody on the planet, including Hugh Hefner. Surprise, God tells the truth. Isn't it, don't you find it funny that, that the devil gave us the ugliest playboy on earth to head that? Now listen, you've got to be the blind bunny of the month you lust after Hugh Hefner. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> I didn't mean to get off on all that. Apparently somebody in here needs it. Uh, but it, here, here's the point. If I choose personally, now again, I kind of keep reemphasizing. I'm not talking about me gunning you down for what you do. I'm just talking about my personal life. If I choose righteousness, as, and I want to be a righteous man, and I'm going to hate lawlessness, God Almighty is going to pour something out in my life. Gladness comes from heaven. You see, you shock people when you tell them the secret to happiness is not a, a raise. The secret to happiness is a holy heart. A holy heart is a happy heart. Or you can call it whatever you want to. Pure heart, but it's just, see how countercultural that is? I've had people tell me, friends of mine that didn't accept, they're sorry for the way I have to live. Do I look miserable to you? I said, you're the one who has to have medication to get up, doc, not me. One of the greatest lies ever is, is the first lie ever told, what was it? I can do you better than God can. What did Satan tell Eve? Follow me, I can do you better than God can. He's been ripping the world off ever since. Listen to me, ain't nobody does me like my Jesus. He gives joy. His spirit is pure joy. Now, does it get in your head sometimes, get turned around? Yeah, it's called temptation. Let me make an announcement. Jesus good, devil bad, devil lied, Jesus tell the truth. All right. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 97. I better, I better tattoo this on here. Psalm chapter 97 is where the scripture... <laughs> You know how I can tell preachers that ain't right with God and religious people ain't right with God when they're mad at sinners. They're just mad at sinners. You know why they're mad? You know why they're really mad? It's because they're righteous. No, it's not. They're jealous. You know, listen, you're not, you're not fooling me. The heart of God weeps over sinners. It's not mad at them. Religion's angry at people. And most of the time I've found it when people are mad because like the elder brother, mad at... You know what the matter, elder brother's mad about? What did he say? He spent all your money with hookers. I didn't have no money for hookers at all. That's what he was saying. <laughs> He's mad because he got to have all the fun. Man, you, you're warped. Then let me tell you something. Now, now, following Jesus is pure joy. Sin, the Bible says, if you live a life of debauchery and sin, it has pleasure, Hebrews 11, for a season. It's just te temporary buzz is all it is. But now if you become religious, you're going to be miserable all the time. And please do me a favor. Go to Baptist Church. Don't make me miserable. I need the relief. 
Psalm 97 verse 10 says this. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the who? The musically gifted? The righteous. Watch this. And gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. Tell me what the Father does for those who choose to walk in righteousness. He sows gladness into their lives. The only point I'm trying to make is true gladness comes from God. It comes from the Spirit of God inside of you. Great joy. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a living illustration. Never been a man walked closer to God than King David. King David wrote the Psalms, 75 Psalms. He was, God, he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. And in those Psalms, you just read where he just delighted in the Lord. He loved God. But did there come a day in his life when he lost the joy? Now, he was always a child of God. He never lost his sonship. But the great psalm written, Psalm 51, where he said this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. He, he was still God's son, but God took the joy away from him. Why? Let's rest that psalm say, Against you and you only I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight. Here's the bottom line. You'll all, you can, I, I'm of the opinion, I'm, I'm on them once forevers, <laughs> That once you're born again, you can't be unborn again. Anymore than I can be unborn as a human, I can't be. I believe once I'm God's child, I'm God's child forever. But I can sure lose the joy of Jesus. As, G as David said this, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then, and then what he say? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then my tongue shall sing aloud again. The singingest churches on earth are the holiest churches on earth. You ain't got to tell you a minute. I know it's in there. All right. Oh, my goodness. Just the joy of Jesus. See, here, here, this is against my culture. You know, people might feel sorry for you at work because you don't get to raise hell and get drunk and rock and roll and run around and do that wife swapping club and all that mess. And you don't get to cuss anybody out when you You just don't get to do that stuff. I feel sorry for you. Watch them. Where's the joy? There's a big difference between true joy and a temporary buzz. All right, let me go to the other side here. Let's, uh, I'm going to see what the Scripture says about this. Right, somebody come turn this page for me. All right, I got my gift there. All right, do you want to be miserable in life? Well, in case you ever decide, I know, we're going to be spiritual because we're in church. In case you ever decide you want to be miserable, let me tell you, the only thing you got to do to be miserable, sin. If you want to be miserable, you just start sinning. By the way, you know what sin is? It's not whiskey drinking and cigar smoking. That's called a cowboy right there. You know what sin is? <laughs> You know what sin is? Sin is this. I'm going to do anything I want to do and ain't nobody telling me what not to do. Ah. That, that's the true definition. It's not, again, it's not dancing and drinking. It's I'm going to do anything I want to do and nobody going to tell me to do. That's sin. Hey, listen. What do we call people who say, ain't nobody going to tell me to do? I'll do what do we call those people? Inmates. Inmates. Is that not the ultimate reason people up in, end up in jail? Yes. Nobody tell me what to do. Do whatever I feel like. You do whatever you feel like, we're going to call you inmate number 977431. <laughs> All right, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to get your way straight into the clink. All right, when I was chaplain at the sheriff's department, I used to spend time in jail as a visitor, not a customer. And I'd go in there with a Tim Britt using him, walk around, talk to the guys. Let me tell you what I noticed in uh, the jail. Wasn't a lot of joy in that jail. That, there was no happy campers in there. They was all crabbing about something. You know what the worst part of the jail is? <laughs> it's not the doors. I sort of like them doors. Nobody can get to you. You know what the worst part of the jail is? The company. 
When you get a bunch of people that's miserable, life can get rough in there. Do you know how they got in there? I'm going to do what I want to do. There was this thing we're calling freedom is killing us. You don't, want your, you don't want to be free from God to do whatever you feel like doing. Well, let's look at it. Psalm 32. Turn me to Psalm 32, and then I'm going to talk ugly a little bit. All right, Psalm 32. This is another Psalm of David, and this is where David wrote how that God had blessed him so much, and he had such a wonderful joy in Jesus, but he made a decision to put his fist in God's face and disobey him. And this is what happened when he did Psalm 32. Uh, let's look down to about verse 3. Uh, by the way, God came to him and said, I want you to come back to me. I want you to repent of your sin and come back to me. He said, I'm not going to do it. Watch what he wrote in Psalm 32, 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my what? Groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy on me. By, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. You know what Selah means? I stopped and thought about it. How's he describing his life right here? Miserable, empty, groaning. You ever see people like that? You say, well, it's, it's circumstances. No, it's not. Watch what he said in the next verse. I acknowledged, <laughs> I acknowledged my sin to you <clears throat> and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I'm going to confess my sins to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then he takes off singing and praising God and he's happy again. Get it? There's if you want to be miserable, put your fist in God's face. Just rebel. That's all you got to do. Uh, I, I would encourage you to keep it out. That's not good. Let me, make, let me point something out here. Let me ask you if you've ever seen this. You ever heard of these people in cup? They're, they're the number one influencer on teenagers today. They're called rappers. You don't know what rappers are. Some people call them rap stars. I don't think they're stars. And I sure don't call them musicians. You, to me, rappers used to be the old ladies that stood in belts and did your packages. That was a rapper. <laughs> Well, it's different now in case you still think that's who it is. They ain't who it is now. They're the number one influencers of teenagers today. And uh, they don't have any talent. That's why they have to stand and shout profanities into a microphone. Your band has no talent. They don't know two notes. Don't, 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 don't. Heck, I can play that. I mean, it's just, it's just profane filthiness shouting into a microphone. Let me ask you a question. You ever seen one smile? No. You ever seen any of that crowd happy? There is no joy in this I'll live like hell stuff. And that's what's wrong in our nation right now. But I've decided, as for me and my house, we're going to get on the other side. We're going to decide. This is the craziest thing, that to find true joy, you say, I've decided to follow Jesus. 100%. Tell me what you want. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. All right, let me, let me do another upside down here. In our society, what's everybody want to do? I want to go to the top. I want to be the boss. I want people to recognize me. I want to make a bunch of money. I'm, a, I'm a climbing up. Folks tell me, well, that girl's going somewhere. And I said, where's she going? To the bathroom? They mean the, the, the up, upward mobility. And we used to call them yuppies. I don't know what we call them now. But everybody going up. Everybody wants to go up. This is what the book of Philippians says. You want to find true happiness in the kingdom of God? Turn around and go the other way. Go down. You want to find happiness? Quit wanting everybody to serve you. You start serving people. The secret to true happiness is to serve people, not to get somebody to do what you want. It's that's the craziest thing I ever heard. I told you it's crazy. It's sort of upside down. Matter of fact, uh, I'll tell you what let's do. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. We got time to do one verse real quick. Matter of fact, Jesus, in talking about happiness, let me quote to you from John chapter 13, final supper. You remember the last supper? He calls his friends around him and they get in there 
and they know who this man is now. For a long time, they didn't know who he was. They knew he could work miracles, but now they know who he is. This is God Almighty in the flesh. This is God in a man's body. And the Bible said, supper being ended, that Jesus took off his jacket. They wore a special robe that designated you as a teacher. It was white, had a little blue trim on it. He took it off, and he was down to just maybe nothing almost. He put a towel around himself, and he took a pan of water, and he got down and started washing their feet. Well, in our culture, we don't do that because we were nice shoes. We don't walk in dust. Back then, you walked dusty roads. Your feet were dirty. You wore sandals. And when you went into a person's house, it was customary to have the servant, and it was the lowest servant, would wash the people's feet. Remember, Jesus went into a Pharisee's house. He said, when I came in, you gave me no water for my feet. It was just a custom when folks came over, you washed their feet. Well, Jesus took off his jacket. He began to wash their feet. And this is God Almighty. And he got to Simon, and Simon said, you will never wash my feet. I, was good old, I love Simon. And uh, don't fuss at Simon. Let me ask you a question. God Almighty gets on his knees and starts washing your feet. What would you do? I tell him, he ain't washing my feet. I want to wash your feet. I'm, you're, you're God Almighty. You're not... And he, he said, you need to understand. I'm teaching you something. So he let him. He washed all their feet. Next question. Was Judah still in the room? Was the money in his pocket? Sure it was. He washed his feet too. And he got done and he, he put his robe back on. And he said, now you know what I've done for you. He said, you call me Lord and Master of the Universe. I am. If I'm the Lord of the Universe and I can wash your feet, you can wash each other's feet. Then listen to what he said in the next verse. He said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. You know what you got to do to be happy? Buy your Bible. Read John 13. And whatever Jesus says will make you happy, start doing it. You, these men crabbing about their women, about their, about their squalls, let me tell you something. Go and wash that woman's feet. No, I want her to rub my back or rub my front or something. No, you don't. Let, let me tell you something. You, you think you're going to find happiness? You're looking for love in all the wrong places. You go home, you serve that woman. Yes, Watch what happens to you. Amen. See, stupid people I work, listen to me, change your attitude about work. You go to that place and you serve those people. Serve the people that are under you. And you put out all effort you can to make that the best business possible. Watch what happens to you. Amen. So this dumb church preacher won't preach what I want him to preach. It's too long. They don't do the music. I like, ah, ah, ah. Go over to the nursery and tell them you're going to keep babies next Sunday. You know what the deal is? As long as you want to be God Jr., you're going to stay miserable. But when you decide you want to go turn around and go the other way, go down, and you want to start serving people, happy are you if you do these things. This is, the secret to happiness in this, in this Bible is found. It said, become a servant. Happiness will jump on you like a windmill on a spring breeze. God pours gladness out in the heart. Right, let's, just do, let's just settle this thing right now. You don't believe God tells the truth? Let's settle it right now. Don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody sitting beside you. Think of the two or three happiest people you know right now. Are they not servants? Do they not live to help other people? Think of the two or three most miserable people you know. Are they not self-centered? Jesus tells the truth. I don't care whether you're rich, poor, black, white, up, down, educated, non-educated, preacher, pickle farmer, podiatrist, or, or pediatrician. No matter to me. Part of prostitute. Don't make a difference. Do you want to find happiness? Find somebody to serve. You'd just be surprised what to do. But this, this is the upside-down kingdom that he talks about here. All right, let's quit with this right here. Let's read. I, the, I, this whole book, as you read Philippians, he's got key after key in here about how to find where true joy comes from. That's all this book's written for. Let's look at it a little bit see if you can see something. 
first verse. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to the saints in Christ. Did you get it? Go all the way back to the start. Paul and Timothy, what? What's the word? Bondservants of Jesus Christ. You close the book right there, learn everything you need to know. The secret to true joy is in the first verse. You become a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you'll live in joy and speakable full of glory. Happiness comes from becoming a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now, um, it doesn't say being a Christian. A lot of Christians are not bondservants of Jesus. It didn't say good person. It didn't even say minister. It said bondservant. Now, listen to me. Let me point something out from Scripture. Are we, are we slaves of God? No. No. The, the Bible is very clear. If you want to look this up sometime, Galatians 4, 7 says this. No longer are you slaves. You are my sons and daughters. You know what a slave is, don't you? A slave is somebody who's got to serve somebody by force. They've been bought, and you ain't got no choice. You've got to serve. That's a slave. That's not a bond servant. Listen to me. We're not even servants of God. That same passage we were reading, John 15. Listen to what he said in John 15, verses 14 and 16. No longer do I call you servants, because a friend doesn't open his heart to a servant, but I've opened my hearts to you. You are my friends. You didn't choose me. I chose you. We're something called bond servants. There's a difference between a slave, a servant, and a bond servant. You know what a bond servant is? A bond servant is somebody that's in debt to somebody. Uh, this happened after Civil War days, in debt to somebody. And all of a sudden, the owner, the master, because he is so good, loves this servant so much, he says to him, you're free. Here. Tears up his bill. Hands it to him says, you're a free man now. You can go. You're done. You're free. But the man loves his master so much, he says to him, you've been good to me. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to, I want to stay here on the farm. I want to be your servant. I, I'm asking you to let me be your servant. That's a bond servant. And back in that day, they took him, and he would take him to the doorpost. He would take an owl, you know, like you poke with, put his earlobe on that doorpost and poke a hole in it right there. I mean, we do that all the time now. Back then, and that, that designated for the rest of his life, he was a bond servant. You have to choose to be a bond servant, and you only choose for one reason. That man will be better to me, me being his servant, than I could take care of myself. That's a bond servant. Listen, I don't have to serve God if I don't want to. He loves me and set me free. He gives me a free choice. I'm not even going to do it as a servant. Let me tell you, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my life. Every day I can, best I know how. That man can do better to me than I can do for myself. A bond servant only serves out of love. All right? That, and notice how that's how the book of Philippians starts. Paul, he says, I'm the happiest man on earth. I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ. There's the answer right there. When you decide you want to serve Jesus with all your heart and love him and follow him. Now, did I say go to church and become religious? That, that's, just, that's distasteful. Serve Jesus. Let me quit by showing you one more scripture. There's a, uh, why are bond servants so happy? I'm, they're the happiest people on earth. Turn with me to Matthew 20 and I'm going to show you why. Bond servants are so happy for this reason. And then, I love this parable. This is where Jesus said, let me show you how to find happiness. You'd be surprised how much of the book, the Bible, is written for people to find true happiness and joy in life. And not only happiness, but success. Then if our Heavenly Father didn't want you to be successful, why did he write a book and tell you how to do it? He just wants his children to do well, just like you want your children to. All right? But now listen, if I become a bond servant, guess what? I don't get to make any more decisions. I don't get to choose where I live. I don't get to choose what I'll do for a living. I don't get to choose how I talk to people anymore. He gets to make all the decisions. You say, man, I feel sorry for you. Look up here. I ain't hurting. 
I'm having a great life. I'm having the time of my life. I've seen what happens when I drive the boat. <laughs> Call it AAA every day. <laughs> Dear ones, when you let Jesus run the show completely, that's a bond servant. He tells you that's your house you live in. This is the field you work in. You, he takes over your life. That's a bond servant. But you choose to. What does the Bible say? You, you don't get to make no more decisions. Thank God I don't get to make no more decisions. Ask my wife what happens when I make decisions. Thank God I don't get to make no more decisions. Jesus makes them all for me now. And guess what? All right, let's read it. Matthew 20. I love this. Lord Jesus burned this in their hearts. Verse 1. The kingdom of God is like of heaven. God working in the earth is like a landowner. All right, you got it? So he, he's a farmer. God is a farmer. And, the, and the, he's painting a picture to show you what it's like. Who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Got it? This is, a, this is a man. He owns a vineyard. and He's a big farmer. And he's got his the time to get the grapes in. So he's going to go hire folks to get the grapes in. And he goes out in the you know, day labor pool. He didn't have permanent employees. He goes out and hires them. All right, well, verse 2. He agreed with the laborers for a denarii a day. He sent them into the vineyard. That was a day's wage back then. Then into the vineyard. Uh, it went out about the third hour. People were standing idle at the day, day labor place, marketplace. He said, you go to the vineyard. Whatever's right, I'll give you. They went out. He did it again about the sixth hour, the ninth hour likewise. So let's see that. They worked 12-hour days then. He did it at 6, 9, 12, 3. You know, they quit at 6. And he keeps seeing we're not going to have enough help, so he keeps going back and getting more help. All right, last, time, last thing he did. Verse 6, about the 11th hour. What time is it? 5 o'clock. They're going to quit at 6. He goes out at 5 o'clock. He finds others standing out and said to him, what are you doing standing here? Why didn't, you, why didn't you work today? They said, nobody hired us. I right, watch this. He said to them, you go into the vineyard. Whatever's right, I'll give you. What did he tell them? You do what I tell you to do. You go to work for me. And you go where I tell you to go, and I'll treat you right. Did he tell them what he'd pay them? Don't ask God what he's going to do for you. You don't need to know. He didn't tell them. What, how, many did you go to work, how many of you would go to work for somebody not knowing what they paid? I've had five churches four times. I had no idea what they paid until I got my first check. Other times, just because somebody told me without asking. Listen, God is good. You can trust him. And uh, so they did it. They did it. He comes to these folks and said, listen, <clears throat> you do what I tell you to do. I'll treat you good. I'll, I'll do you right. They did it. They agreed to let him call the shots in their life, told them where to go. All right, verse 8. Evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the workers, give them their wages. And watch what he said, last to first. He lined them up. So I want you to pay them, those who work the least first, those who work the longest last. All right, you got your pickup truck here, pulls the tailgate down, sits up there, boss man, not the owner, but his manager, sits up there, got his cash box, said, y'all line up here, the first to last. They line up, got a line here. Now the, boss, the owner, he over here leaning on the pickup bed watching. And he lines them up. They're going to walk up to him. They're going to tell him how much they work. He's going to pay them. All right. Verse 9. When those came who hired, were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. You know how much that is? $156. I, I just saw day before yesterday, Field and Farm Magazine, the labor wage in North Carolina this summer is going to be $13 an hour for migrants. So 12-hour day, $13 an hour is $156. So he's, you know, he said, I'll tell you, he said, how, how long do you work? He said, one hour. He said, all right. Recently, he says, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 120, 140, 150, 55, 156. Was he planning on that? Is he smiling? Something about being happy when you let Jesus tell you what to do. <laughs> was he smiling? And the, and the, ball, the owner, he's leaning against the truck over. He's smiling too. 
He's a good man. He loves to give to people. How many of you think that's crazy to pay somebody 12 hours wages for one hour's work? This is God talking to you about what he's like. Now, do you, you notice they didn't like the man? It didn't say they liked the man. It didn't say they sung about the man. It said they did what the man told them to do. That's a bond servant. Big difference in folks who want to go to church and sing about Jesus and thank Jesus. Jesus don't need no more fans. He needs some workers. He needs some obe- obeyers. All right? But these people obeyed the man. Whatever that man said to do, they did it. And all of a sudden, and I, and they might have, I said, shoot, well, we end up, come on, let's go, Herbert, let's go. I bet you his attitude changed when that man counted out $156 to him for one hour's work. Heck, I'd go to work for that much, my goodness. Watch this. When the first came, verse 10, they supposed they'd get more. They got $156. They received it. They complained against the landowner. Don't matter. These guys only worked an hour, and you, you gave them all that money. And uh, what are they saying? You're not fair. These people are accusing God of not being fair. Let me make an announcement. Praise God he's not fair. Do you think I enjoy the health I've enjoyed the way I acted when I was young? You think I, you think I deserve the woman that I've got? You think I deserve the happiness I've enjoyed? I want to make an announcement. God's not fair, and here's one man that is thrilled about it. Praise God. Somebody ought to write a song called it Amazing Grace. You know, grace is the opposite of fair. Thank God they're mad because he's fair. Or not fair. All right, watch this. And uh, verse 3, he said, answered, friend, I'm, I'm doing you no wrong. You agreed with me. Now, dear ones, these two verses are going to teach you as much about God as anything in the Bible. Verse 14, take what's yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man. Who's this right here? He's leaning on this pickup truck right here. He said, look, I just like giving things away that people don't deserve. I want to give people stuff they don't deserve. This is the heart of God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Listen to these verses. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, very generous, merciful to all. You know what God loves to do? He loves to give things to people that don't deserve it. He said, I wish to give. He said, does it bother you that I want to give things away? Now, you want to see something cool? Watch this. I like this verse 15. Is it legal for me to do what I wish with my own things? How many of you think it's legal for God to do what he wants to do? If God owns, if God owns peace and he wants to give it to me, I may not deserve it the way I've acted at times, but is it legal? You know why it's legal? He owns the thing. If he wants to bless me financially, you know why it's legal? He's got it all. If he wants to give me the best-looking woman on earth who's going to love me and care for me and dance with me even as we grow old, you know what? He owns, it's legal. I love the fact that only God gets to choose who gives what. He gets to make that. And then he finishes up by saying this in verse 15. Is your eye evil because I'm good? I can do what I want to. Watch this. Is your eye evil because I'm good? Does it bother you when I'm good to people that don't deserve it? Well, let me make an announcement. Don't bother me a bit. Because I'm one of them that wants it. Right, what's the whole point of this parable? When that man tells you, go work in my vineyard, you better jump at the chance. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you say, well, where's the gladness in there? Come on, Einstein. <laughs> Look over at that guy. Look over at the guy who just got paid $156 for working one hour picking grapes. You think he's happy? God doesn't made him glad because he chose to be a bond servant. This is not hard. Dear ones, we got books written that thick on how to find happiness today. There's already been a book written on how to find happiness, and you ain't going to top it. So what did we learn tonight? Start by number one, make up your mind. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's happiness on the highway to heaven. 
Following Jesus is, is where all the joy in the world is. God just pours joy out in the hearts of the people. I got to tell you my story. I, I started out going to church. I was, a, I, was a, I was a heathen that got saved. I was mean as the devil. And I was miserable. You know, if you mean, you're going to be miserable. Mean to people, you're going to be miserable. And I was miserable. Well, I got saved, and there was a new joy in my heart. And the church I went to, little Church of God, there East Wood Drive Church of God, they said, we're going to hook you up with an older man. And he's going, they called it mentoring. I didn't know what that was then. I'm just a young man. And going, he's going to mentor you. Well, they hooked me up with Brother Robertson. Brother, Brother, Brother Robertson. He couldn't even talk right. He was 105 years. Actually, he was about 85. And uh, Brother Robert wore the same black suit to church every Sunday, about three sizes too big. He couldn't talk. He said, Brother, so good. I pray God. That's how he talked. Couldn't talk well. That old man grabbed him. He said, the uh, doctor said, now, Brother Robson, you, this is going to be yours. They, they hooked young men with older men. They got saved. He grabbed me and hugged my neck, sort of like a half Nelson's what it was, and hugged me. He said, I love you. He said, I love you with all my heart. And, I, and he said, meet me out at my house. Said, we, we, I went out to that little green shack out on the edge of town near where UNCC is now. It used to be Charlotte College in. And went out there and went there. And Mr. Robson said, well, he'll be out in a little bit. And he said, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on with me. So we went out there. And he had an old green garage, puke green painted garage, had a dirt floor. Tampa Nugget box in there. Well, it didn't have cigars in it. It had prayer requests in it. And he said, I get these prayer requests. I'm talking normal. He didn't talk like this. Took him, take him a half hour to tell you what I'm fixing to had to, He put his prayer requests in that Tampa Nugget box and he went there and he prayed over them. And uh, he said, I'm going to teach, first time I teach you how to pray. You need to learn how to pray first. And he, had them, he said, grab hold of this Tampa Nugget box. I grabbed hold of it. Boy, we went to pray and he went to going around and around that garage. And Miss Robertson said, I know y'all was praying. She said, I could see the dust coming out from underneath the garage. Well, see, if your dust ain't coming out, you ain't praying right or something. That was the happiest old man I ever met in my life. He just, he just talked about how wonderful Jesus is. And tears just run down his face. Just so happy in Jesus. And I thought, I done got in with the right bunch here. Happy in the Lord. And, uh, you know, some folks, they look down their nose at folks like that and say, well, they're just simple-minded. Make me one of them. Praise God. Simple-minded Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm happy as I can be. All right, I'm going to quit. Oops, oh, oh gosh. Sean, I'm sorry, Sean. Sean ain't happy no more. I done messed up choir time now. <laughs> All right, let me tell you something. There is a place of great joy in Jesus. I love y'all. I love y'all so much. Don't go chasing all these lies and these rabbit traps and all this stuff. It's temporary buzz, but there's no real joy in it. Jesus owns all the joy in the world. He pours it in the hearts of those who follow him. And whatever you do, I don't think it's dumb to get sidetracked and get off the main road. I think it's dumb to stay off the main road. If you lose the joy of Jesus, don't spend the rest of your life saying, oh, well. Do what David did. Get on your knees and say, against you and you only I've sinned. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to walk right with him. Must talk. Lord Jesus, I just love you and praise you and thank you. Heaven is such a place of joy. It's described as joy unspeakable, full of glory, perfect joy, life, and hope. I thank you that you are pure joy. And your spirit, I love the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for the joy he brings. I love your word that says, there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. Thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that comes into our lives. I pray for every person in this room. Father, my heart aches for all the people who've been lied to and hoodooed by the unholy devil that do this and you'll find happiness and they only found heartbreak. And they found emptiness and misery where he'd promised them everything in the world. I, I just, dear Jesus, help people. Help people. Bring people to yourself. 
There's such peace and joy and hope and mercy with you. There's grace with the Lord. And I want to thank you and praise you. I, you loved me when I was so unlovable. Still am sometimes. And you've shown me such mercy. And I thank you so much that I've got a home in heaven one day. When I fall over, I'll be with you face to face. And it'll be the most wonderful place. But I thank you that I don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy heaven. Thank you that we have heaven on earth. The joy of heaven on this earth. The peace of heaven presence of God. I just pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth like it is in heaven down here now for every person in this room. Father, I just feel impressed tonight to pray for people. Holy Spirit, jump all over people in this room. Bring them to the point of brokenness where they just say, I, I give up. I give in. Jesus, take over. Father, Nothing to lose except heartache and pain and everything to gain, the joy and the beauty of Jesus. Why are we so stubborn, dear Jesus? I pray for every person in this room. That they'll make a decision rest their lives. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to run after Jesus. I'm going to follow that man best I can and know the joy of Jesus. And Father, I've never thanked you. I, I just don't them. I've never thanked you for Brother Robertson. You, you put such great people in my lives along the way that were such a picture of the beauty and joy and goodness of God. And Lord, that old man didn't get past the sixth grade. He couldn't scrape together $100, but he had joy like a river. I think maybe we need to go back some of that. I trust you for that. Thank you for the kindness of Jesus. Let Jesus be glorified in our lives as he brings his joy in here. In the precious, precious name of the Son of God, we pray. Amen.